Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 99%. My name is Jesse Vondercheck, head coach at Top Step Training, and I am here with Marilyn. Hey, everybody. Hey, Jesse. Good to be here. Marilyn Chicoto. You can find everything with me at mcc.coach. Always happy to get together and chat. Yeah, and we have we have matching high buns today. It's uh, <laughs> quite a good day for this Zoom call. Unfortunately, you guys don't get to see this, probably for, fortunately for you. I definitely, um, I need to take a picture of this here. You can see we'll do, let's hang on. We can do, we can post this with it. It can be our photo. Let's see, matching, matching buns. Oh my gosh. And not ma matching buns. That sounds hilarious. Not the kind of bun, <laughs> matching hair buns to be specific. <laughs> uh, hilarious. Um, but yeah, it's good to see you. I actually got to see you in person not that long ago. We're we're hot off of our, our conference we went to for USA Triathlon in Charlotte. Um, it's good to see you. Yeah, it was great to see you in person. That's why when you walked up, I was like, oh my God, you're not on a screen. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was that was a really, you know, it was a great opportunity. I think that that was like, uh, um, uh, you know, to have, what was there, 12 of us total, 12 coaches all connected for essentially two full days, you know, two half days and one full day. And to be able to spend that time learning and just sharing conversations and collaborating ideas and, you know, all of that stuff. There's just so much value in that. And I think the there needs to be more of that in our industry with coaches. You know, it can be a little bit of a, a lonely business as far as um, peers in the industry. And so, the you know, when people are willing to set something like that up and, and coaches can get together and collaborate and share ideas and even just know that it's, um you know, you can learn off each other, or build confidence off each other, or just talk programming or culture or you know, environment, all of these things. It's, I, I think that's a really good thing. And, you know, I was, I was excited to be there. That's for sure. And I know it was really noted that I was the only female there. I think, you know, there's so many great female coaches out there. And I think these are going to, there's going to be more opportunities for this. So for the female coaches out there that saw it and are interested in that kind of thing, you know, keep your eyes open and those opportunities will be there. And, um, you know, there's just, there's, there's lots and lots of great female coaches out there. And more than ever, you know, it was like when I first started coaching, there really actually wasn't that many of us. Um, but now, I mean, it's so great to see over, especially over the last five years, there's, there's a lot of really great female coaches. So, so yeah, keep your eyes open for that. If you're looking for those kind of opportunities. Yeah, it was, it was a really cool opportunity and great to meet some of those guys. It was my first time meeting West, uh, uh, the U of A head coach. So that was really fun. And uh, it was great to hear, hear what Joel had to say. Lots of good information from him. And, of course, I got to room with Elliot, which is always a blast. So, Elliot, thanks. Thanks. That was fun. Um, and I do have to say Tucson was – I'm going to claim Tucson right now, even though I'm not currently there. But, uh, you know, it's still where my, my home is. And we were really well represented. We had three coaches from Tucson out of the 12. So that was awesome to see. And – yeah, hopefully we can even even just the Tucson connection. We've got some some great collaboration. We could we could do more of there. So yeah, I'm excited to see what what comes from this. And yeah, hopefully we can stay connected with some of the the other coaches we got to meet because it was yeah always is great to hear how other people operate and um and yeah just if they do things even if it's slightly differently hear hear their methodology and kind of yeah take some of that on as your own. 
Yeah, pretty cool stuff. And it, it was um, nice, nice confidence builder for for knowing like foundations and principles and all that kind of stuff or, you know, stay connected to your roots if you've been raised well, you know, those kinds of things. So that was that was uh, that was good. Good, too. <laughs> Sounds like a country song you have going over there. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that. But kind of. Yeah. <laughs> you got all artistic on us. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> It's too early in the morning for that over here. <laughs> oh, man. And it's like almost bedtime for me. This is opposite land. Um, <laughs> but today I wanted to chat with you uh, because I have, you know, a few athletes where the, the tides are kind of turning. Um, the race season is getting closer. I think, I think um, the, I'm going to call it Clash Miami, but I don't know if it's T100 Miami and or still Clash, but is is like four weeks away at this point. And then Oceanside is like six or seven weeks away. So the races are starting to get here sooner than kind of we think. Um, right. I raced on Saturday. So racing, racing is happening at, or starting to happen really soon. Um, and so some of the questions I've been getting is people getting excited about racing and then kind of getting excited about what that training is going to look like as the races are approaching. They're kind of asking about, Hey, like, are we going to start doing race specific work? Is it, is it time for the, for the kind of that shift to happen or, or just like, Hey, what is that going to look like when it does happen? Kind of anticipating that, that change in, in training that, that kind of comes as you're getting a little bit more specific for racing and, and so, yeah, since I had that question from a few different people, I thought maybe we could chat about what that looks like and, and how we kind of go through that progression with our athletes and, you know, and, it's, and maybe how that can look different for different people or at different places throughout the year. Yeah, it's a great topic for sure. You know, um, one thing, you know, as what can dictate the shift, right? So, what dictates the shift is obviously if there's an event you got to be ready for, we've got to, we've got to be prepared for that. So it might be a specific date that dictates the shift, but even more so the other things you look at would be what's the entire year look like. So, you know, is this your, if, are we going to need to pace the year? Um, is this the start of a season or is it like, this is my main event for the year? So those types of things. And definitely looking at just in general, how the athlete's been responding to the training. If you've been in, maybe you address the winter by working on things that that needed to be improved throughout the off season and you spent a focus period of time on that. Maybe it was a very specific base period of time and how's the athlete responding to that and are they ready for that shift or are you looking at the greater, like the big picture of the year, they're not quite ready to make that shift. So how the athlete is responding, what does their total year look like? And then how quickly is that specific event coming up? I think are the three really important things that shift how, when, when that training is going to change. And, and obviously the specific athlete as well, like how long they've been in the sport and how they respond to training. You know, those, those specific blocks are so personal to each athlete. Um, not only, their year and those things I already mentioned, but like how the athlete themselves actually typically responds to um, a race block and, and coming into form for it. And how much form do they need for that event at the front of the year? What, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the things that I look for right away for anyways, like just to touch the surface of that topic. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think it's, you know, um, since it's easy for me to talk about my own training and not feel like I'm being intrusive, um, <laughs> it's, I'll, I'll use kind of myself and, you know, given like how long I've been in the sport or for anyone kind of with a fair amount of history in the sport, you know, I feel like you can really kind of shorten that race prep because I, it doesn't take me very long to like kind of hone in to Ironman effort. And, and so, you know, I think that's maybe a theme with more experienced athletes where I can spend, you know, I'm going to throw, use kind of the generic words here and I don't necessarily love them, but I'm going to use them just for some words to use, like, like the build phase where I'm doing a lot of like threshold work um, at, before I switch over to call it like say Ironman pace work. I feel like that is much more important for me because that's actually kind of like growing my fitness. And then when I get into Ironman pace work, uh, that is like getting me ready to race and not necessarily like increasing, you know, my fitness as not making me a better athlete. Like it's, it's making me able to perform on race day, but again, not really elevating my fitness anymore. And so I think that's, that's kind of like a big differentiator for me. And, and one of the points I like to get across with athletes is that like it, it might feel harder or feel something different. And like, yes, it, it is a change in stimulus. So you're obviously still gaining fitness, but, um, but I feel like, you know, it's not maybe what I would call like the best way to gain fitness for the athlete. I ask, all athletes, you know, are going to need something a little different in that call it the build phase. But I really like to say, like talk about how that in my mind is more important than the race prep. Now, if you're a brand new athlete, you might say, Hey, like you've never executed a race before. So you might need to spend a little more time with them, like getting them actually prepared to race because they're not going to have like, you know, say they're not going to have the 20 years of race experience that like you and I have where they can say, oh, yeah, I, I know what it feels like. So you have to spend a little more time teaching them that so that they can be ready to execute the race appropriately. And that's that's one of the big, bigger things that I use to differentiate, too, is like, you know, how experienced is the athlete is going to kind of guide me into how much time they need to spend actually being able to execute a good race. And then how much time do we get to spend um you know, just building their fitness. Excuse me. Yeah. So uh, Bless you. <laughs> yeah, do you, thanks. Do you, um, do you look at it as like, so I, a, a thing I do for my athletes minds is I actually put like, if we have an event, then I'll work backwards from it four weeks out, eight weeks out, 12 weeks out, 16 weeks out, 20 weeks out, that kind of thing. Do you do anything like that? <laughs> um, so yes. Uh, but I often keep it hidden um, because, you know, with some athletes, we'll, I'll have it as a discussion point, but for a lot of athletes, I'll, I'll keep it hidden because, um, do not freak them out <laughs> if they're, if they're like, Hey, it, it's 10 weeks out and we're not doing what I think we should be doing. You know, sometimes I don't like to remind them of that, but it's other athletes where I can be very open. So it's kind of athlete dependent. And of course, if they ask me, then I'll, I'll happily talk about it. But I've had some athletes where it's like if they see that, then they have in their mind what they should be doing 10 weeks out. And like we talked about, if it's 10 weeks before, let's say, they're racing in Kona, that 10 weeks is going to look very different than their 10 weeks before, say, Ironman Texas. Um, and, and so getting people to understand that, like, you know, that, like you're talking about, you're pacing the year and, like, depending on what event you're doing and um, how high of a priority it is, these things are going to look very different. And... And so, yeah, I, um, <laughs> I do, but it's not always a talking point that I use with athletes. How's that for us? <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. I actually, while you're saying that, I would love to hear uh, what, 
um, some more specific detail on when you say, hey, what would look like a race, like that shifting point for Kona. And so when you're saying that, I know in your mind, you're thinking that means later in the year, a world championship event versus Texas. So like specifically, what would those differences look like? And I know it's different with every athlete, but let's just use some generals there. Yeah, so I guess um, if I was going to, yeah, to um, broad stroke it, you know, if you're getting ready for Texas, then most people took an off season not that long ago, and they've been doing some sort of base work. And, you know, again, like it could look very different if athletes on the trainer, maybe that base work is actually VO2 or something like very different than the athlete. They can go do four or five hour rides outside. Um but you're coming off of some sort of rebuilding period where you're kind of getting some fitness back. And then, you know, you're spending some time building that fitness and then the race is coming pretty quickly. So um, there's going to be in, in, in my mind, there's going to be kind of this bigger base phase, you know, January, February um, bleeding into March, and then a much shorter build and much shorter, like kind of race specific because you know, if you don't have that big base or base phase or kind of like rebuilding, then all those other things aren't really going to matter very much. So that block is going to be much bigger. And then as you're kind of shifting towards um, um, end of the year race, you know, maybe you need to refocus and do a base block, but maybe in that case, it can be two weeks. And then you can spend a lot more time, um, you know, again, I don't really love the word build, but in the build phase where you're just stacking up a bunch of fitness. And then you can also spend a bunch, a, a bit more time in that race specific phase, because, you know, there is in theory, there is no more racing after this. So you have to be really ready to execute and you can kind of push the limits on what that race, what that race phase looks like. And, you know, maybe like if in a race phase, let's say for Texas, I would have most people shooting but I would say slightly under their, their goal targets, you know, just saying, Hey, like, let's keep this controlled, keep this really efficient and make sure you are like ready at, you know, maybe like 5% down from what I think you can do in all three disciplines. And then you can go to Texas and execute, you know, a 95% day and, and keep it really like in control. And then, you know, when you're getting ready for a race like Kona, you know, maybe you're kind of pushing the envelope on the other side. We're like, Hey, let's see if we can frame, you know, a little bit over what we think we can do and kind of push that envelope just a little bit. And then maybe we can readjust goals if things are going really well, or maybe they'll stay exactly the same, but you know, you can kind of like, I'm willing to push a little bit harder at that point in the season um, with, you know, say the, their, their bigger race. Would that change if the athlete, like say they're using Texas, they need to actually qualify for the world championships and it's going to be a bit of a stretch for them. They're like, man, I got to pull out my A game just to get there. So I guess this plan, and I agree with it, is um, based on if we're using, let's say, a, um, a, a two, two segment partial year, like early season, late season, A races type stuff. And we have these chances for these blocks. So and it's with the idea that the athlete is already in a position to go to like their world championships or their second race is locked in. Like that is, it's a given, whether it be a world championship or it's something else, but the second event where they're going to peak at a higher level, which is what you're saying. And you're saving that energy to build that momentum towards it's already a locked in done deal. What about the athlete that is that a, that race at the front of the season, we're using Texas as an example. It, 
it will dictate what the back half of their year looks like. So then how would you change that? Um, you're, you're really throwing curveballs at me right off the go here. I like it. So, <laughs> so, you know, I would, I think that the one thing I would not want to do is compromise that base space. Like I want them to be robust starting the year, make sure that, you know, they're, yeah, just make sure they they're really ready. But one thing I've done in the past is kind of, woven in a little bit of pace work throughout the, that entire period, because I know it's coming soon and then kind of sprinkling in a little bit of race, race specific efforts as they're moving closer that like maybe wouldn't ever be in that block otherwise, but you're saying, Hey, like this, in this ride and this run, we're going to do just, you know, it's it just like slight twist on like, Hey, instead of just going out in endurance, we're also going to include, you know, a, a couple of chunks of pace work and seeing how that feels and emphasizing some of the, the execution things that maybe I don't ex or, um, emphasize quite so much early season. Like big one in my head right now is like fueling and hydration. You know, if people are going out for a ride in January and they're like, yeah, I had a bunch of leftover Christmas candy in my pockets and that's what I use. It's like, great, that's awesome, January, good. Um, that's what I do all the time, so it's fine. Um, but if someone's like also has an early season race, then I might say, hey, like, you know, on this long ride, you know, time to break out some of that race-specific fueling practice, you know, getting in some higher carbohydrate and, and you know, kind of interweaving a few things like that as they're getting ready so that when they get to that race-specific phase, it's still probably, it's going to still be much shorter than it would be later in the year, but they're kind of like um, a little bit more mentally ready and a little bit more physically ready for that effort because they've, they've, had, they've seen it a few times already. I don't know if you if you've done anything different in the past or well it's just interesting what you're talking about is what's going through my mind is like all the different um models of programming that different people use. Everyone always says, Oh, it's not rocket science and you know, swim bike and run. But there is actually quite a bit of quite a bit of different approaches and depending on the athlete, but people's just philosophies and general programming can look a heck of a lot different. You know, I've seen programs where they don't do a whole lot with their athletes when they're really far out from a race, it's basically, you know, it, it, their, their fitness level is quite low. And then as they approach into those, let's use, for example, the 16 weeks, 12 weeks, eight weeks, four weeks towards a race, they, they build everything at, together, like volume, as well as intensity and specific, getting specific towards the race. And they just bring the fitness from a very like low bar level and they build it in just so just into the event and then i've seen other models where it's like you know far out from the race they're building a huge amount of base and a huge amount of volume and they're doing you know they're they're um really they're there's no um nothing that's super specific as far as like what we're talking about race specific or anything like that but there is intensities around maybe it'll be a lot more hill reps or strength, or like you mentioned, you know, threshold work or something like that to make a shift, but the, but the volume is there. And then as it, as you get closer to the race, it gets really, really specific, which is the model that you've been talking about as, as we've been already having this conversation. So the interesting part is there are a lot of different ways people go about things, right? And some of it, some of it actually can be dictated. You made mention this already based on where someone lives. So 
I sometimes there's the ideal and the perfect world as a coach, you have to have a lot of tools in your in your basket, right? You have to ha know about all the different ways to program for someone and, you know, how an athlete's going to respond to it and what we're looking for and, and that kind of stuff. But there might be like, oh, this athlete, here's this race date, these race dates. And here's this athlete's like strengths and weaknesses and where they're at in their development. And you can have this, what would be the perfect plan, but then, okay, like, maybe they work 70 hours a week and have three kids and they live in Wisconsin where they're covered in snow. So now you're like, Oh, <laughs> you know, now, now we, we need to change things. And so that's where, you know, we talked about like the conference, the, the deeper your tool bag is as a coach, the better you're going to be able to manage these kinds of things and see the athlete. Cause the, the idea is, you know, that they're always, they're always um, being pushed and, 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 the point of training is that it's, there's a stress and then recover and, and they adapt and, you know, make a change in their body. They, you create stress, make a shift and then recover and then they move forward. So, so specifically what we were talking about though, to stay on better on topic is when does that shift need to happen where it gets race specific, right? So we're looking at all these different models and like different ways to pace the year or plan the year, but making that shift for an athlete is there, is there like something specific that you look for in the athlete's training that it's like, is it just like, oh, the date is coming up, so we got to make this shift? Or is it like, oh, they responded this way to this training for this period of time, so now we're ready to make the shift? You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I think that... Um... Unfortunately, it's usually date driven and it, it'd be nice if that wasn't the case, because I, I think uh, there's there's often gains kind of not yet achieved because the race is is coming and you that that shift needs to happen. Where, so we can't spend as much time, um, you know, building fitness if if it's in a situation like you're describing where it's like, hey, Texas is coming. You need to qualify. Therefore that date is kind of dictating what has to happen. And that, that tends to be what happens for, for more of the people that I work with, because, um, because yeah, that's like the, the dates are, uh, the races are a set date and they need to be prepared. And, you know, the unfortunate thing with, with Ironman is that like, maybe you do two a year, you know, like maybe you have some other races that are important to you, but if, if say you're focusing on Ironman or you're an age group athlete and do two or three 70.3s throughout the year, you know, like, I feel like there's that date pressure is, is, is a lot bigger than, than say, if you're you're doing something different and you can have the ability to race more where you can maybe um, train through or like emphasize less the early season races and say, Hey, I'm still building fitness until I'm ready to switch gears for race specific training for, you know, at some kind of period over the summer and be like kind of peaking for the back half of the year. I think that more so, um, more so for me, yeah, it's that date where it's like, and again, things might be shifting a little bit differently. Like I said, like I might say, hey, we're going to have a really specific phase to kind of squeeze as much out of these blocks that I want to spend more time on. But at the end of the day, uh, for me, I think it's it's usually driven by a specific race date. Yeah, I, th I think that's the case. The case That's just the case the case for a lot of people, right? I mean, if you've got, you got to show up at the, up at the race prepared, so... Now, the only the one time, one thing I do as a coach that I really, I'm really, really strict about if someone's coming back from some kind of injury or illness that 
you know, like say they had a surgery or something like that. I often use a case, we're not going to put the cart before the horse. And so in that case, I will absolutely be strict about, hey, you can sign up for some events and we can have these on, on the, you know, on the schedule, but in no way is it going to dictate the stepping blocks as far as how trainings progressed. And we will make one step at a time. And once you're able to complete those successfully, we will move to the next step. If we get there in time for the race, great. We might have to adjust the race um, goals or expectations. If you get there and you're, you're like ready to go, but maybe not quite at the peak fitness, or if it's just simply, we're not even you know, you don't, you can't always predict how quickly someone's going to go through those steps. If they're not getting through them, I won't push through that and rush through that just to get them to the event. I'll say like, if we need to like shift this, if we need to move it, if we need to find a different event, then, then we'll do that because, um, you don't ever as a coach want to risk pushing someone back from a main injury or illness, especially surgeries to put, you know, oh, we've got to be there at this date. It's like, no, that's the one time that you got to be really strict about that, I feel. Other times, like if you've got a perfectly healthy athlete and we've picked races and we've got to we've got to be there, you know, you got to get there on time. If some of the stepping stones need to be just like pushed along a little quicker and it's like, well, for this race, we might not quite be where we had wanted, but we got to get to work on this. And then we get to this race, set the expectations right, set the planning, the plan right and the pacing plan right for where we're at whether it's you achieved it right through or you you weren't able to, and then, you know, move on to the next event. So um, that's just sort of like some food for thought on that as, as, cause we, I know a lot of coaches listen to our podcast, you know, someone's like, oh, well, this date dictates this. There are circumstances where that needs to be like flipped on its, on itself a little bit, you know? And I, and I would say the main one to take point of is major injury or illness, especially surgery. Yeah, I think, you know, we're, we're looking at, we're talking about one specific race in, in a season, but, you know, for most of our athletes or most athletes, this is like a, a, a cumulative thing, right? They're racing year after year. And the best way to get better at that is to stay injury free and, you know, stack that years of training, right? And so if you're pushing an athlete that could potentially get them injured again, or, you know, like if they're coming back from something, yeah, make that getting them injured again in any capacity is going to really slow that progression over time. So I think, yeah, the last thing you want to do is push an athlete um, or say, have the event come before like, you know, being, being a healthy athlete. And, you know, that's, that's the one time where I will like, it's often with the run, right. Where you have these, these things that um, the athlete is coming back from, and it could be kind of like pushing the run too far. And that's, that's kind of like the, the only scenario where I'll say, Hey, like, we're going to DNF this race and you're going to swim and bike, but we're not, you're not quite ready for the run, but you still pay for the race. You want to go do the race and you could learn a lot from doing a swim bike or swim bike transition. And then, you know, maybe it's a walk run or something, but yeah, I feel like it often, you know, it's not always the run, but that's often where you see it. And that's, yeah, that's the, the one time where I'll say, Hey, let's, let's do a plan DNF and keep this safe and use this as a really good learning experience, but let's not, uh, go run a really hard half marathon or even marathon and then get potentially in re-injured for what could be a longer amount of time this time. Yeah. And definitely, I mean, the run is, I mean, running, it would have to be so finicky, right? It's like, if, if it's, if there, if someone, if, if you 
for several weeks in a row, far enough out for a race, you're trying to build someone's long run up and they're, they're just not getting there. You know, they're just not, let's say, let's, for example, use, you need them to build up to where they get to a two hour run. And then you need them to complete two or three, two hour runs, just easy and be able to spend that time on their legs before we shift to saying like, okay, now we can start to put some, some specific pace work in there, whether they're mile repeats or they're based on time or, you know, those kinds of things at a specific effort or race pace, that kind of thing. You know, I wouldn't very often, if they, those, those are the specific shifts I'm looking for. So I guess I'm describing exactly. It's like, okay, we've got to build this long run up a little bit. And then once we're completing the long run comfortably, and we know that we can do that, then we'll start, start to put some specific specifics in it. Where that can be different is if an athlete already covers distance pretty well and has a history of having a pretty, you know, a pretty good ability to build that long run, run up in terms of endurance and distance and durability, but they struggle to keep pace. I might do an opposite approach where we keep the actual uh, total time fairly short for a long time, but we're building up your work rate within that shorter time, then expand the the run out and get the endurance and then have that quality within the, within the long run. Does that make sense? I, might, I don't know if I described that right, but so there's a two different athletes, right? Like the one that you've got to build up the time first and then started adding the intensity. And once you see that, you're like, okay, they're doing this, their pace, they're jogging along pretty well. Their heart rate's staying aerobic. They're not falling apart at the back half of the run. Now we can start to add some specific work into it. So it'd be very like, detailed things that you're looking for before you change the training. Another athlete who already typically has good endurance and durability might flip that on its head and say like, okay, we're going to start with a 45 minute run or an hour run, but <clears throat> we're going to focus on building up the quality within that. And then once we've got that, we'll just grow that out. So that, and, and the actual length that they, they just get to the length of the long run that they're going to be doing for their event, but we, we've built the quality up. So Two different examples, two different types of athletes and specific for the run, which can also be applied in the other two sports as well or over uh, on the whole. I don't know if you if you do a similar thing or have used those different approaches. Um, yeah, actually, I uh, I have an athlete who's kind of like that. But since uh, just to flip it on and on the bike where they uh, they uh, their all day pace and their threshold and their Ironman effort are all within, you know, 20 watts. And so it doesn't, uh, and they can go ride all day at, at this pace and go, go race pretty fast. And like, and all things are fine and dandy, but the, you know, top end is just non-existent and believe it or not, I'm not talking about myself here. This is someone else. Um, but, uh, but so yeah, we kind of, we've been flipping that around and saying, Hey, like you need some top end to help you in the racing because once the race gets hard, like you can go all day pretty fast, but you can't go above that kind of ever. So, so yeah, we spent the we kind of the base phase. We're like, Hey, we're doing a bunch of like, um, you know, two, three, four, five, six minuteers where it's like, Hey, these are all over threshold. And, um, yeah, I think they probably hate me right now, but they're actually kind of developing the top end. And so I think it's going to bode well for the season, but definitely different than what I might be doing with some other athletes where it's like, you know, getting in those those long kind of endurance rides now where you can then you add in the intensity later, definitely kind of flipping that around, um, which is kind of what you're talking about, right? Like building that kind of intensity first and then kind of stretching, stretching out that intensity kind of later on um, versus, yeah, like 
So yeah, I, I do met, play with that it's definitely based on the athlete. And I think there's a lot of gains you can, you can make there. And, and I think that is something that can be, you know, you can kind of overlook that where you can just um, kind of say, okay, just, you know, keep, get back in that rhythm of doing that two hour run and then a lot of that intensity and, and like kind of following that pattern where you're doing that same thing, but not seeing those results. So yeah, it is uh, kind of noticing when it's time to kind of flip that over and say, Hey, let's build that intensity up inside there. Yeah, totally. And, you know, the other the other thing that to look at is, uh, you know, another sort of case example to use is I have uh, a couple athletes where they're like when they're not in what we would consider that, OK, well, now we need to get focused for a race. And let's say that's somewhere between 16 and 12 weeks out from a race for a lot of for some people, those shifts are going to start happening 12 weeks out more experienced. It might be eight weeks or five, you know, it's going to be different, but let's say some of those athletes that they've got some experience, um, you know, they're pretty active on their, on their own and mentally, like I've got one athlete where mentally, if with, with them, if I had them doing like very structured stuff all through the off season without a whole bunch of mental flexibility, by the time we went to get into maybe that you know, 12 to eight week period where it needs to get really specific for their race, they would be mentally already kind of tapped out. And especially when we're looking at pacing the whole year, and we've got to be able to repeatedly get that kind of focus over and over again, as as the fitness builds, maybe the blocks are a little shorter, like six weeks, five weeks, you know, those kinds of things like we've already talked about. But at the front end of this year, you know, if we're saying, okay, it's the front end of the year, we need a good eight week block to get really specific and hone down on things. Outside of that, it might those types of athletes mentally, there's just a ton of free reign. <laughs> it's like you want to go do this, you want to go do that. Yep, go for it, go for it. There's lots of green lights as a coach. Like, yep, go for it. As long as they're, you're protecting them from getting hurt and they're staying within, you know, a pretty decent realm of things, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, go for it, go for it, and kind of keep them from derailing too far or hurting themselves or setting themselves up for any kind of failure. And then it's like, okay, now we're here. And they're actually in a pretty good place physically. You've made sure you kept them connected close enough physically. And then, you know, it's it's time that it's more for those athletes, a mental switch. It's like, okay, like now we need to really buckle down and be specific for this block of time towards this race. So in some things we're looking, I think as coaches is for very, there's, there's a date driven, but we're also looking for very specific physical things to make these shifts in programming. But also it is, we're looking for mental things too, you know, the, the, the mental side of things like, okay, this athlete, they function well, and it's important for them as a human being to have a lot of green lights and free, free, you know, free passes. And then there has to come a point where you have to have that coach athlete conversation, say like, Hey, it's time to buckle down. You're going to have to focus and buckle down for X number of time. They're training sh shifts and changes, but it's, it's not even so much about the training. It's just mentally, you need to start to get them organized and focused on like, now we're racing. Um, and we're, we're looking at the event and that needs to dictate more of their decisions than the, the hall passes. So, and so that relationship might just shift a little at that point and then go back to, okay, once the event's over, we can have lots of hall passes again so that that athlete stays mentally engaged and fresh. So I think, you know, those are good case examples as well for people to, to learn off of. Um, yeah, and I think it's that's a really good case of really understanding your athletes and kind of how how much of what kind of structure they need. And, you know, I had an athlete where I kind of thought 
one thing by like judging their personality and was giving them kind of these these green lights and kind of these like I, I have some workouts I, I give work like hey you know in the course of this call it like a, a two and a half to three hour ride I want you to collect 45 minutes of threshold on whatever hills you find just kind of ride the hills at threshold trying to get about 45 minutes total time in in the ride and you know some things like that where it's like hey I want some work in there it's kind of non-specific based on the train based on the terrain you know lap your computer so I can check it out after and and then you know started talking to the athlete and and realized I totally missed the mark where they were like, Hey, I want you to write me a workout and I want to like see it. I want to program it in my Garmin and I want this to pop up and I'm just going to do it. And, and that's actually way more motivating for me all year long than to like, you know, have you try and give me these green lights to, to, to go like, you know, dick around on the climbs like they, and, and so, yeah, I like, I totally missed the mark there, but it was a really good learning experience for me to make sure that I'm um, yeah, asking some more questions and, and, and increasing my communication with the athletes to make sure that I know exactly what they need and like giving, giving them what they need, whether it is some more green lights, um, some more freedom, or just like, Hey, this is what we're doing. And it's going to be structured all year long. And you're going to like derive a lot of joy from, executing the workouts, having that box turn green and seeing everything like ticked over. And, and so, yeah, I think it is, it is really important to know what your athletes need and then being able to, you know, adjust how, because it really, it's a lot about how you're presenting the work, right. And presenting the work in a way that they're going to respond really well to and stay mentally engaged and fresh throughout the entire season, you know, while you're still getting that physical response you want to get out of the athlete. Yeah, totally. I think that's such a, you know, it'd be easily overlooked. You just sort of get stuck in the, stuck in the programming and forget like, oh, wait a minute, you know, how is this? These are human beings over there. (laughs) Yeah. They, you know, they're, where's their motivation come from? Or, you know, um, I had to have a really important conversation with an athlete not that long ago about, about pacing the year, you know, it was just like charging full ahead because it's getting close to a race. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta pace, you gotta pace this preparation phase as well as we've got to pace the year. It's a long year. And, you know, that can be, that can be hard. Um, that can be hard sometimes because people, when they are excited and they are motivated and you're not trying, you're, you're not, you have to help them understand. You're not trying to hold them back, but you're just trying to deliver them throughout their year and at their main events in the right, you know, freshness and fitness level and, you know, and and ready to really give it when it matters and not just, you know, on any random given day where then it's like more about the lesson about discipline, right? It's like, okay, well, not today, like we'll get there, but not today kind of thing. So, so that's the, that's the human, that's the human side of things. And like why coaching is so important. It's also important because, you know, athletes can't see themselves. And so, you know, to have that, the outside perspective and know, okay. And if they're, if, if athletes are looking at their training peaks and going, well, like, when does, like you said, uh, they might get to 12 weeks out and go, why isn't the training shifted? You know, I, I expect like, and it's good to have an idea of what they expect. I expected to be doing these workouts by this time. I might ask that athlete, like, why, like, why do you expect that? Why did, and they might have a valid reason that we might be missing. Like you said, you know, like, oh, okay. That actually, that is in line let's talk about this. Or it might be like an important conversation you could have and say, well, 
from actually what I see in your training and you as an athlete and knowing how the year is going to play out and what your goals are for the year, we, this is why we need to do it this way, whether it's like push a little harder here or pace, or this is why we haven't shifted yet, or you're not quite ready. Or as long as, as long as like anything, there's that, that good communication, it's, um, you know, everybody, everybody keeps getting better. So I kind of went off on a tangent there, but I think it's still relatable. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, I think it's really good. I, I think you're right. That that switch happens um, when, you know, when the athlete's ready or when it's time in that progression for the event. But I think the important thing you just said is that the, that line of communication has to be open so that everyone's on the same page. And whether it's the coach kind of telling the athlete ahead of time or whether, whether it's the athlete um, you know, asking, because sometimes we might think the, the athlete is knowing why we're doing everything, but sometimes it's good for the athlete to, you know, return fire with a question and say, Hey, we're like, when are we doing this or why? And, and then having that kind of open conversation can help keep the athletes buy-in really high because they understand what's going on. And, and then also if they disagree, then, you know, you can talk about it and maybe there's, you know, maybe they do need a, well, a little bit of a switch in there just for mental purposes. And that's fine too, but really kind of understanding what the athlete needs and then figuring out a way to, to get them at the right place at the right time. Um, going back to your frisky athlete that wants to um, turn the screws too soon. I, I, that, you know, that's a really common thing, right? Cause you know, triathletes like, love to train and like, Hey, want to get excited. And, and so one of the things I do is put some of the key workouts in ahead of time to kind of like scare them a little bit and say, Hey, like you're doing this workout in three weeks. So we got to be ready for it. And that doesn't mean you could choose to do it, you know, on Monday when you have it in two weeks from now. So just kind of letting them know like, Hey, this is what's coming and we're doing these workouts to prepare for it. And sometimes having like, you know, maybe fear is the wrong word, but like having them see where they need to be at a certain point in time helps them say, okay, like this is, a building block for, for that. Like, you know, if we're talking about like race specific workouts and, and that can be, um, I don't know if for some athletes, it can be motivating to follow the steps and not say, Hey, this was supposed to be 16, but I wanted to make sure I'm ready for the race. So I ran 20 today. And you're like, Oh, it's going to happen. It's supposed to happen in two weeks, but yeah, just, uh, I guess we're there now. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's, I, yeah, that's a good, that's a good strategy. Yeah, that's that's kind of cool. That's a good strategy if you've got someone who really needs to sort of see like, okay, this is this is coming. Like, I don't need to I don't need to do it now. Um, it is it is on the if they know it is in the horizon. It is we are working towards that. Um, so yeah, no, I like that. That's that's a good one for sure. Yeah, the, I mean, everyone has different models and different strategies and little different tools that they use, and um, that's why I love love these kinds of conversations. You know, you can share these ideas and. Um, and hopefully as our athletes listen to these chats that we have for them, uh, that they, it helps clarify some of those questions that they have, right? Like if they have a question of when does my training shift and why, and how are those decisions made so that they're not sitting there with a little bit of anxiety over, is the training going to change? Is the training going to change? Is it going to change? It's like, yes, don't worry. We are looking for very specific things from you physically that you're able to click off and check off the box as well as knowing that that event date is there and we need to be ready for it so that it eases people's minds a little have a little confidence that that those are the two things or those are the main things and and then that factor of 
it, as coaches, we might not just be looking at the immediate right in front. We're also looking at the long-term progression and the long-term plan. So it might even be further where they're like looking at what's happening at this event that's coming up in six weeks. Whereas a coach, we can look, help them understand we're looking a little further, like how about what's happening in July and then what's happening in October and then what's happening in 2025 and like, where is our long-term progression and a little broader lens as well. So that can help people understand they're sitting there going, why hasn't my coach shifted my training yet? And I know I have this. It's like, well, they might be looking at it from a, a longer term development on a, a even a broader lens. So hopefully that helps helps Claire, you know, helps people understand things a little bit better. Yeah, totally. And I do I love having those discussions when athletes are curious. And and so I always kind of say if you are curious and you're, you're you know you have any of those kind of feelings, like I think it's always ask, right? And and that's uh you that can help you feel better. And I feel like it's always good to kind of um, hold our feet in the fire and, and, you know, make us do a little more explaining if, uh, if, yeah, to kind of present those reasons why, right? Totally. Totally. Cool. Great conversation. Um, I think it's such a good one. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, it's a long year, so, so it'll be fun to, fun to see these spring races start to, to pop up right around the corner. Yeah, I'm excited for the racing this year. I think there's going to be some some good racing to to watch, um, especially. Um, I do. I have to. I totally forgot one of the things I did over the weekend. So I have to do a little bit of the what's going on at the very end here. Um, yeah, let's hear it. I had I had a really cool experience this weekend. Um, I was actually an official timer for a Guinness Book of World Record breaking event this weekend. Oh wow, that's cool. What was it? It was the three-legged mile. Oh my gosh! Seriously, <laughs> tell me Seriously. more about this. So, what was it? Uh, what was it? This pace, or what was the? Yeah, they had to, the the world record for the three-legged mile was like a, a five fifty-two until this weekend when it fell at the local track, and uh, a couple of my training partners, you know, tied themselves together and ran a mile in five thirty-eight. And uh, yeah, so they crushed the world record, and uh, it was super cool to kind of, you know, be all they did was hold a stopwatch. So I didn't really, I'm not really part of it, but um, be a very small part of this uh, Guinness Book of World Records event. So yeah, in like the next week, it should be in the official uh, uh, Guinness Book of World Records. And um, so yeah, that happened. So That's good right. job, Sven, Sven and Salome, breaking a world record. Yeah. Hell yeah, the kind of coordination that takes because like one wrong tug or move at that speed, you would all just completely eat shit. Like that's impressive. And yeah, they're, um, you know, they're they're dating like, and so it's a boy and a girl. He's tall, she's not as tall, and so it definitely took some coordination for them to uh, to run the same stride length at that speed. I feel like. You know, you could definitely have an advantage if you got two guys the same height, same stride length, and just like had them had them try and do this. But yeah, so it's cool to see them do it together when they when they, they know it's like you know obviously suboptimal, but they wanted to do it together because that was like fun for them. And part of this is part of the sport is fun, right? And <laughs> and so yeah, they were able to to break the world record um, together as a team, and so that was really cool to see. Cool. Well. Make sure you make sure you post it when we see when it comes up and be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do, we'll do. But yeah, I wanted to make sure I give them a shout out because it was oh, it's fun to see them do that. Awesome. Very cool. 
Um, awesome. So uh, thanks for the chat on um, on how you make that transition. And yeah, if people have any questions for us or have questions on how to do that, feel free to reach out. Um, and I will see you in a week. I Keep know. Camp. I know. I'm so excited. It's crazy. It came up so fast and I'm like, holy crap, it's here already. It's like, but yeah, so we'll have lots of updates and uh, photos and hopefully some little videos from camp and, you know, we can uh, have may maybe get some interviews from our athletes about <laughs> their programming and when they're curious about what it changes. But we do know camp is a big, big week, so it'll it'll be a good time. Can't wait to see you. Yeah, I'm excited. All right. Thank you very much. And um, yeah, I'll see you soon. Cheers.